You're listening to Welcome to Iloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. This is a space where we talk about exiting your business and figuring out what comes next. So for those of you who have been following me, you know I've partnered with the Exit Planning Institute and have gone through their Certified Exit Planning Advisor Program. And one of the things that I found most interesting about the exit planning process is the importance of making sure the owner is prepared for life post-exit because it's easy to get tied up in the dollars and the logistics and everything of it, but you want to make sure as an owner that you have a plan in place that really helps to mitigate a lot of the emotional elements of stepping away from this thing that you've built and have taken on in many cases as part of your identity. Some say it's kind of like a child in some ways. So that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about preparing for exit, planning for what comes next in terms of life after the exit, and then well, what actually comes next. So today's guest has made hundreds of television appearances. She has found herself on stage with the cast of Bad Moms and has turned her experience as a mother into a business reaching millions across North America, which she then sold to a large agency holding company. And she now helps other female founders start, grow, and scale, and even sell their own businesses focused focusing on sustainable marketing content, and social media strategies. You can also follow her on her podcast, Dear Found Her, for women business owners. So without further ado, I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Lindsay Pinchuk, the founder of Bump Club and Beyond. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me. It's so good to see you. It is a pleasure. Uh, Truly, pleasure is all mine. So Lindsay, we could dive into a bajillion things here, but let's let's dive into let's just dive into it because I know you're gonna give me the down and dirty nitty gritty. Um, you founded Bum Club and Beyond, ran it for nine years, I think, and then exited in January of 2019. Well, I I sold it in 2019. I exited in 2021. Okay, thank you for that clarification because I was like hold on. I'm pretty sure the exit was a bit more recent than that. Yes. So, okay. Sold in 2019. Officially, you exited the business Correct. in 2021. So perfect. Talk to me a little bit about what that process was was like preparing for the exit and then during the exit, because I know you had a fun time with that. So I probably should have talked to you before I sold my business <laughs> because I truthfully, like I wasn't so prepared. And I think that's very common amongst founders. You know, when so when I sold my business, part of why I chose the entity that I did because there were three people who were pursuing me for sale. I chose the entity that I did because one, they wanted me, two, they wanted my team, three, they wanted my brand. So they kind of wanted everything, the whole package. They wanted the whole package. They really really wanted my relationship with Target and Baby, and that was a big catalyst for the sale, which is totally fine. And, you know, I I don't think as a founder, you ever think, oh, well, like, I'm going to be ready to leave. Like, you're never really like ready to leave until you're ready to leave. Right. (laughs) And and I, you know, so I I sold my company and I went to work for the new company and there was not uh, I I can't get into so many of the specifics, but there wasn't like an employment agreement, um, but it was like a two year loosey goosey agreement. And so. I figured it's pretty normal, right? Like that's that's a pretty common thing when you when you sell and then they want to keep you on for that transition period. Yeah. And, you know, and they had said we would keep you forever and that you could stay as long as you want. And and I feel that I could have. 
But, you know, things things change when you go from being an owner and running things and having complete control to all of a sudden reporting back to someone after you haven't done that in 10 years. Yeah. You know, things things change. And I felt like, you know, for me, the exit process really took place over about a year's period of time. I started feeling like it wasn't mine anymore just based on things they were asking me to do and not to do and things that I they didn't want me to post and share about, which like, you know, I was always told you're going to be able to continue doing everything that you were doing. And then I, I all of a sudden kind of felt a little censored on our social media. And I just I, I felt like it, it wasn't mine. There was a pivotal moment when I was like, this is not mine anymore. And I don't know if I want to be here anymore. Like that was, was kind of like what, one specific thing that happened where you're like, yeah, that was it. That was a switch that flipped. Yes. Yes. So basically, from what I can share, I I had been told that I was going to be able to continue sharing what I wanted on social media. And, you know, we never, ever, ever talked about politics. Never, never, never. But we always talked about social issues that pertained to women and also to our community. And in 2020, there were a lot of social issues that were going on. And without diving into the specifics of it, in a moment where almost every company I respected was addressing certain social issues, I was told we weren't allowed to. And to me, I, I understood because this was a big go company that was going public, but I also didn't understand because of, of, you know, what I thought and, and what was important and what had always been important to my community. And it was in that moment that I said, this isn't mine anymore. So kind of like a violation of values and, I don't, I wouldn't say a violation of values. I would just say it was, you know, taken, it was kind of just taken from me that I couldn't do these things anymore. And someone else was controlling it, even though, even though I didn't think they were going to going, that was going to be the case. And it was in that moment that I was like, I don't know if I really want to be doing this anymore. You know, I am one to like stick up for what I believe in. I always have on my own social media. That's very important to me. And, you know, there were members of my community that I felt needed our support through certain, you know, through certain actions and we weren't taking them. So, you know, that was kind of what put the bug in my head. We went into the winter and I and I said to my manager at the time, you know, I think that I would like to talk about a slow exit next year. and. She said, okay. And then like, it was kind of like brushed under the rug. Like I kind of think that no one ever really thought I was going to leave. I was the face of this company. I was leading webinars every day of the week. I was on our social media and no one really circled back around with me. So in, in May of 2021, I once again said, all right, like I'm really ready now. And it took me a while to get to this place. Like the time stuff until May of 2021. You really go through this mourning process. Like I'm Jewish and I was like, oh, I'm like sitting Shiva for this. But at the end of the day, I really was not happy anymore. Um, I loved what I had built with Bump Club. I loved the feeling of supporting women, supporting these moms, teaching them how to be moms that there was nothing better than that period. But a lot of the other political, like the um, corporate America politics, like I didn't want to. And I and I just I wasn't it was taking up a lot of my day. I was on calls all the time that like I didn't necessarily need to be on. I was working around the clock. And 
I wasn't happy. And it was really when um, my kids definitely started recognizing the fact that I wasn't happy and they would say, why do you snap at us? Why are you so, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's big, like, and, and I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Like I, I know what it's like to want to jump out of bed and get going in the morning. And I didn't have that anymore. And it was, it was in that moment that I said, you know what? I think my time has run up. And so I, again, approached the subject and it took a good, it was May. It took a good three months till we came to an agreement over what this was going to look like. And, um, in the end we agreed that I would, they, I would leave in July as an employee and the next day they became my, my client and I was their consultant. And so I consulted out for about 10 weeks and that was the arrangement we had. And so that's kind of how I came to this conclusion. Yeah. Okay. So what might you give, what I'm sure this was a big learning lesson, right? So what, what key takeaways would you say you learned from this experience that might be advantageous for others to, you know, noodle on? I think that had I been able to do it over again, I think I would have thought a lot more about this process and talked to other founders who exited before entering an agreement because I might have worked in some exit language into my contract or attempted to. And, you know, any attempt when you're selling your company, any attempt to work any language into the contract is really a signal of how much they want you. Right. So so, you know, it, whether it would have been taken or not, I don't know. But I think that I would have worked some language into my contract on the exit terms and what that was going to look like, like. On your behalf, you mean like things that on you my, wanted? Yes, on okay. my behalf, because what I don't think that this company realized as a huge corporate entity, Bum Club and Beyond is their only consumer facing brand in their whole portfolio. I don't I don't think that they've acquired another consumer facing brand since me, maybe, I, I, but at the time. And there is a lot of difference in running a B2B serviced, a service agency and also a company that functions as a B2B service agency and on one arm and then also functions as a B2C and it has millions of people that we're serving every day on the other arm and millions of people who were reliant on me. And I was the face and, and it felt so there was like this personal pressure too, right? That like kind of I was feeling when I was exiting because it wasn't just that I wanted to like let down my team or the corporation. I didn't want to let down my community. And this was a community that I built out of my own, you know, blood, sweat and tears, yeah, blood, sweat and tears. And also my own experiences being a mom. I showed up every day for almost 10 years and shared my life as an expectant mom and mom. So, you know, I, I think to you, to answer your question, I would have probably thought a little bit more about what the exit would have looked like, even when, even though you're so like, you know, rose colored goggles, isn't that what they say? Like rose colored glasses or rose colored glasses, yeah. like when you're going through the process, you know, all you want is to sell the company. Right. But I, I think in hindsight, and you think you're never going to leave. I think in hindsight, I would have worked some of that language in or some options in as to how that could have looked. And I think it would have protected both me and the company, to be very honest. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think also I would have really done some more legwork through the process, talking to other founders about what their exit was like, because there were moments in time 
you know, and, and that 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 information gathering can go many different ways. But there were moments in time where for me mentally and personally, I felt like a failure for for leaving. You know, like I felt like am I failing because I'm leaving? And I don't think that's an unusual feeling. It's not. And I know that now because I've talked to so many people after the fact. But like, you know, I think it would have helped me knowing that going through the process that that is a very common trait for founders when they leave to feel that way. And so I think I would have really surrounded myself better with with founders who had exited because it's not all, you know, like the Sarah Blakely's or, you know, <laughs> of the world or the We're not all Hart. Sarah Blakely's. Right. Oh, shucks. You know, but even like it's funny because like like I listened to Guy Raz's How I Built This with Bobby Brown the day after I closed my computer for the last time. And she had a lot of very similar emotions to me when leaving Bobby Brown. And like literally she was giving this interview and I was like, yes, yes. Like I and I messaged her and she wrote me back like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, I was like, the difference is, is I'm not a gazillionaire like you, but <laughs> I do feel very similarly in terms of like how I felt when I closed my computer for the last time. And so those are those I think are the things that I would have done differently. Yeah. So you bring up a really good point. And I think um, it's really interesting that you well, not interesting, but I love the fact that you were able to have an exit and you were very much still the face of the company because I think so many founders are the face of their company. And what a lot of exit planning will tell you is that you shouldn't be the face of your company because it's really hard to remove you. Because at the end of the day, if you are looking to exit, for the most part, you're trying to make yourself replaceable, right? That that's Otherwise, it's very difficult to exit. So talk to me a little bit about what that process was like trying to remove yourself from being so ingrained as the face of this company and how you're kind of utilizing that to, to be a catalyst into whatever comes, what it well, what is coming next? Yes. So, you know, I think for the, the first part of the question, <laughs> um, <laughs> my multi-parted question, no, for the first part of the question, I had many plans as to how the company could continue to utilize the strategies that I built on partnerships, sharing stories of moms, bringing in new faces. And that was also a big part of it too. Remember, I started this company as an expectant mom. And when I left, I had a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. And so I wasn't exactly pushing strollers anymore. It didn't feel authentic to be the face of the company anymore. As much as I was a parenting expert and I could talk about all the strollers and car seats in the world... I wasn't using them. And so to me, it felt a little weird to be pushing these products on people when that wasn't my life stage anymore. Hold on. I just want to pause right there because I think that's a really important uh, acknowledgement is that it it sounds to me what you're saying is like it didn't feel quite as, I don't want to say authentic, but it kind didn't. of a little it didn't. bit. You're, you're exactly right. It didn't feel and I think authentic. that's a big acknowledgement within yourself. Well, and so for about a year before I left, I would say, I think we need to bring in some new faces. Here are some ideas of like ways that we can do this through influencers or through, you know, contract workers or through writers I know, or we really need to start. I, I also felt very um, passionate about not having to be, to your point, one person, because, you know, we had a whole host of 
moms that were helping before the pandemic in cities all across the country. Well, when the pandemic happened and we had to get those moms because their primary job was running events and there were no events anymore, all of a sudden it was back to just me. And so that strategy went out the window. So, you know, I was really trying to bring more faces, to bring more authority and to bring more diversity into the face of Bump Club. I didn't want it to just be me. And it really wasn't panning out. And so that was a a, a part of why I continued to pursue my exit because it wasn't panning out. And I was still the face of the company. And I I wasn't getting that like relief from those webinars and and whatnot. And so I decided that 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 was part of it, right? Because and, and unfortunately, I felt I had to rip off the bandaid for them to really like to light the fire under them to bring in more of those moms. And now there are other moms that are leading their webinars that are doing stuff. And that's a really good thing for the brand because they're re- I mean, they're relevant, right? And so wait, the second part of your question was what, how am I using that now? How are you using? Yeah. Like the, you, so you are, you have been the face of bum club and beyond. That's very difficult to untangle as people are trying to exit. Cause it's just a really difficult position to be in. But now as you're moving into this next phase of your career, how are you leveraging that into what, what's the work that you're doing now? Yeah, so Bum Club and Beyond in this whole process, which I I didn't realize until it was kind of after the fact. And I was like, oh my God, this like really has set me up for what I want to be doing, which is helping female founders. And it was funny because toward the end of my time at Bump Club, I was getting approached by a lot of different companies, all female founded, who were asking me for help in terms of building their community growing their content strategy. I need some social support. I couldn't take on projects. I was working 80 to 100 hours a week. Like that was just not happening, right? So when I finally had a minute to pause and look back at what I did, it was, it it took me a minute. And it also took me a minute of like working with a few clients over a few months to realize what I did was I built and monetized a community. And I was doing it again through Dear found her through my consulting work. And I just needed to stop for a minute and say to myself, okay, how did I do it the first time? And okay, now how can I do it the second time, but faster because I know exactly what I'm doing. So so, to name the thing and then break it down by steps. Yep. And so now I am able to say to my clients, both my consulting clients and my coaching clients, this is how we build a community And this is how we monetize it. And it's, I did it. You know, I mean, it's something that I did and it's, and it's something I'm building and I'm perfecting. And really and truly to your point, right now I am a solopreneur. Right now it is me. People are paying for my expertise, but I am building a program to, to do this that eventually I hope I can have employees that are helping others to do it as well. So tell me about that program. So the program is essentially building and monetizing a community. And the way that we do that is it's multi-pronged. But I I want to think about this. Your community is your number one asset, whether it's a personal brand, whether it's a company, 
you know, whether you're selling services or products, you, your community are going to, they're going to be your best customers. They're going to be the ones who are transacting. They're going to be the ones who are there with you for the long haul. And I have so many members of my first community who have hopped over with me to my second. They trust me. I've built a rapport with them. I've built a connection with them. And so that really is, is the, the basis of building a community is being authentic, building a connection, engaging, caring, being transparent, all of those things. But then your content is your number one marketing tool. And your content is really what builds your community. And so we do that through your content strategy, obviously, your social media, your email, your live events and podcast interviews and press interviews, and then partnerships and collaborations. And so we work those into your content and then into the engagement that goes along with building your community. And that's what my program is. Yeah. I love it. You know, I love, I I so appreciate you taking the step back to say, well, one, I think, you know, a note to anybody who's listening, who might find themselves in a similar situation and is trying to figure out what comes next, taking a moment to see what are the questions that people are asking me and asking of me, because you just mentioned all these people were already asking you for all these things. And you're like, oh, I can do these things because I've done these things. What's a different way to package and position them? Well, so here's the interesting thing. And you and I had this conversation before, and this really got me to step back and look at it is like anyone can, you know, anyone who has success in social media can put themselves out there as a social media expert. Am I a social media expert? Yeah, of course I am. I ran Bump Club social media for 12 years successfully. But what what to your point differentiates me from all of these other people in social media. Well, what differentiates me is I built a community on nothing, on my personal experience, on my connection, and that is how I built the community. That is, And that is how I tied my social in, as well as all of these other things, my email, my, mark, my um, appearances, my TV segments. I mean, all of those things. And it, and at first, when I first left last September, I remember very, very vividly, I gave one of my best friends who's a copywriter. She was looking at my website and she was like, this is too much. She was like, yes, I know that you can do all these things. I know she was like, and you can, she said, but you need to narrow it down to really the one thing that you're, you're really good at. And she said, and these other things can come as a part of the package later or on the periphery. But she said, you have to be known for something. And like, what are you known for? And then you and I had a conversation about that as well. And, you know, in the beginning, I was just kind of trying to get my feet wet, get some clients. And I was doing a great job with that. People trust me, you know, and I was doing a great job with my clients. But in order to really position myself in a way that resonates with people and helps me to stand out, I did have to Think of what makes me different. And what makes me different is that I have built, monetized, and sold a community. Not many people can say that. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, turning back to the thing that naming that thing that you are uniquely capable of doing. And then so taking that in one hand, and then in the other hand, taking what are what's this list of questions and ask that people have of me. And how do these things pair together? I think it's interesting and I appreciate you saying that because as I've built a digital marketing agency, I love the business strategy side of it. And I've had so many people ask me about business strategy, which geeks me out and I love. And that's kind of how Ray 9 spawned. And so it's like, you got to be honest with yourself in what is your unique gift? 
what is the demand in the marketplace and what is it that you want to do? So I think as we talk about exiting and what comes next for anybody out there who's trying to figure that out, because it's a daunting, it's a daunting thing, or it can be, I would ask yourself, what is it that you are uniquely best at? And what is it that people are asking of you? And how could you maybe package those things together? Because I mean, now here you are, Lindsay, and you've you've set up a really solid foundation for yourself moving forward with the people that you want to help doing what you want. Exactly. And it's funny because to your point, people were coming to me saying like, oh, I need some social media help. And my question back was, let's take a look. Let's look at how you're engaging your community. And that is how we develop a social media approach. It's not, let's just develop a social media approach. You know, I mean, it's really, it starts with the community first. And that is what I know how to do inherently. So as you are moving forward, helping female founders build these communities, build and sell, monetize, exit, potentially, whatever it may look like, these communities, what specifically are you trying to help them accomplish? So the first thing really is to make sure that they have an engaged community. It's very funny because what I am finding is that there are a lot of brands out there, big established brands started, you know, around the same time as I started Bump Club or even before, who always kind of had their interns run their social media. And I get in and they're like just pushing product out. You know what I mean? Like they're just posting their product and they're wondering why they don't have high engagement numbers. And they're wondering why their numbers aren't growing or why their reach isn't growing. Well, and I look at them and I say, it's because people aren't engaging with you. And so you need to really start engaging. Like that is my number one thing, principle that I try to implant with anyone that I touch is you really have to focus on that engagement for growth and and really that two-way street. And that is what is going to build your social media. And that is what is going to build your authority. And that is what is going to help get you press and get you, you know, all of these different things that you want. It really has to start there. So that is my number one when I when a client approaches me is let's make sure that all of the pieces of the puzzle are in place and working together to make sure that we can grow this community and grow it in a way that leads to transactions ultimately. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's so many uh, different ways you can, you can take that depending on whatever their ultimate goals are. But when I agree with you, I think community is the most important thing, like growing your audience, growing your community, that then the sky's the limit. Well, and, and building an exactly. engaged community. Yeah. And the second thing too, is no matter what I want my clients to feel supported and like, they're not alone. You know, and so I think there's something to be said about having gone through the whole process of starting a business with nothing and bootstrapping a business and growing it and scaling it and selling it. I really kind of have a story for everything, right? So when I'm working with clients, whether it's a huge nine figure brand that I'm doing a consulting project for, or whether it's a solopreneur that I'm coaching along to grow her own community and giving her the steps that she needs to take. I want them to feel supported and acknowledged. And like, I understand because I do. And like when I shared the, uh, uh, the story about this nine figure brand who was just pushing stuff out, I got it. I, I said, I know exactly what you're going through. 
we also didn't have a social media manager. It was me. And I know what it's like to like not have that person in place, but you need to have that person in place when you are this big. And it's different than it was 10 years ago. And, you know, I think just that outside perspective that I can provide some of these founders really kind of gets, it shakes things up sometimes in a really positive way. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things about entrepreneurs is um, the scrappiness. Like, I think we're all creative problem solvers. Um, and I know you kind of just alluded to it as well. So nice leeway into this next question. Um, but from your personal experience, what story do you maybe have that you could share that would could illustrate, you know, just how scrappy owners can be? And then I'm going to add on to that, actually. So so the scrappiness of owners. But then at what point do we have to start delegating or getting out of that mentality? So. Okay. So my first official hire at Bump Club was I had like an hourly intern who had come to me and said, I just need some work experience because I went to summer camp my whole life and I have no experience. So can I help you? And I had just had a baby and I, I needed help, like bringing like drinks and food to events and setting up events. And so I hired this person to work hourly for me. And at one point I knew she was looking for a full-time job. And at one point she said, but I just want to work for you. And so I said, okay, well, let me see what we could do. And so I, I busted my butt to sell a sponsorship so that I could pay her to be my employee. And I paid and I did, and I paid her first. So she got paid first. Now, once I had this employee and we started doing more events, this is where the scrappiness comes in. We started doing more events and I had a woman approach me and say, you know, I'm moving to Austin, Texas, and I'd really like to bring Bump Club with me. And so I figured out a way that we could duplicate what we were doing in Chicago and allow her to do it and make money while giving, you know, it was not a franchise, but it was kind of like a royalty back to us, but it all kind of ran through us. This was like the early days of Bump Club. And then through that, I had a lot of moms who were continuously approaching me and they would say, let me know if you need some help. Like, like I'm here, like we love what you're doing. Let me know how I can help. And this is an example of how you can utilize your community. And finally, one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to set up a program. And I set up a brand ambassador program. It was called like Bump Club Super Moms. I didn't pay them a dime. They got free events. And at the time, the events were like $50. So it was like $50. You got a dinner and you got a big gift bag. So these were women that were coming to all my events anyway. And so I think I had 10, maybe 12 to start. And then that eventually grew to be about 20. And I had these women who I would pay them with events. They would get to come to any event for free. I would give them freebies from all the brands that I was working with. And they worked my events for me. And eventually what happened, eventually I started paying them hourly. And then eventually some of them became like our local market leaders and some of them moved other places and they became employees of Bump Club. But that was really how we started. And a big reason I share that, and because there are a lot of lessons of scrappiness, but a big reason I share that one is because you cannot be and do everything and everywhere. I mean, that is just like not possible. And 
it's exhausting. And we were trying to grow this brand. And as I was growing, you know, there were, there would be nights that we would have an event in Chicago, but I would be in LA for another event. And so like, how, how do you do that? And I had kids at home. Well, this was the answer because these were women who believed in my business. They loved what I was doing. They wanted to see it succeed. They were my friends. They are my friends. Many of them are still my friends. And that's how I started. That's really how I started to scale. Yeah. So again, listening to what is coming, like listening to the people that are around you and take it. And what I'm hearing you say is like when somebody raises their hand and offers to help, take it, take them up on it and then figure out a way to make sure that, you know, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. But I think I'm glad that you bring that up because I think a lot of founders, a lot of owners struggle well, struggle with letting go, <laughs> guilty. Um, and I think also struggle with asking for help. You know, I, I do all of these like roundups, you know, what what words of advice would you give to other women founders or other founders or whatever? And I got to tell you that even when I do the roundup and I get like 40 different responses back, like every other person always says, ask for help. Like that's the, that's my piece of advice. Ask for help. Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. And it's like the thing, too, is people are willing to help. As long as you're specific and you and you're not just like, oh, I could use some help like I could use some help with X, Y and Z. Name it. Yeah. Like, can you help or can you direct me to someone who can? And I will tell you, founders and female entrepreneurs are the they're the most helpful people because they've been there. And so if they can help you with anything, they will. I do. I know you do. Yeah. And that is just like, like we kind of all need to get over ourselves and take those, you know, those helping hands when they're, when they reach out, because that's how you grow. That's how you keep saying, you know, and, and I just think that so many of us are just so type A that we don't, we won't take that help and you have to take it if you want to yeah. grow. You know, and, and another comment on that, um, I have a, I have a friend right now who is looking to, you know, she's been running a company for a while and she just doesn't want that level of responsibility anymore. And she's looking to just be a support system for others. And so I say this to anybody out there who's needs help is like afraid or embarrassed or ashamed to ask for help. Know that there are some people out there that that's all they want to do. They just want to help. They don't want to be the one that has to make all the decisions, but they can help you execute upon it. And I think it's good to remember that we don't have to do it all by ourselves and that sometimes the things we don't want to do are exactly the things that other people want to do. And also, I think it's important to say that help comes in various like levels, shapes, and sizes. And help does not mean you need a six-figure salary to hire some like major employee. Like I needed help with my finances and I hired like a COO. I hired a controller. It was, she was part-time. She was fractional. And so, you know, I think that too is so important to point out that like, just ask around. And I guarantee you, especially in today's day and age, when so many people have left corporate America and are building their own businesses, you can find what you're looking for that fits your budget. If you just do a little due diligence. Yeah. And I think name it, I keep coming back to name it. Like if you can specifically say, this is what I need help with to your point, it makes it so much easier. Yep. All right, Lindsay, as we circle back to this concept of exiting and knowing what's next, 
for any owners out there who are listening to this, thinking about exiting and what comes next, what's the one thing that you want them to take away from this conversation? That you really need to do your due diligence. You really need to think about what you want. And that especially if you sell your company and Jill Smokler said this to me, she founded Scary Mommy and she said this to me on my podcast. And this is something that I wish someone had told me and that's why I'm going to share it. And I, of course, I'm going to attribute it to her because she shared it with me. If someone wants to buy you, you are in control. Do not forget that. They're pursuing you. Don't let them push you to make a decision until you're ready. And it's really important that you do your due diligence and you make sure that it's set up in a way that you want it to be set up. And that's, and you know, I, I think we all have learning lessons, right? We all, there, there are lessons that come with being a founder, with starting a business, with growing a business, with selling a business. And, you know, I think that that's just, it's really important to not feel pushed and to really do your own due diligence and to figure out what it is you want and to say it. Yeah. Um, I want to piggyback off of that, figure out what it is you want. You know, I talk a lot about defining success for yourself. And I know at the beginning of this conversation, you had said you wish you had, you know, thought through that part a little bit more. So let me ask you now, how are you defining success for yourself in this moment? And had you had that conversation with yourself previously, how might that have shifted things? You know, I think for me right now is, especially in this moment, in this season of life where my kids are like, I thought that as my kids old, got older, it would be easier to be an entrepreneur. It's actually gotten harder, to be honest. I feel like my kids need me more. I feel like they need me in a bigger way, in a different way. They need my support. And so in this moment, in this season, the success for me is that I wake up happy and motivated every day that I'm excited to do the work, but that I know when to close my computer, shut it down so I can go to the soccer game, the softball game, drive a carpool. That to me is success right now. And, you know, I think that I don't know that it would have changed or it would have been different because honestly, I think that what happened and the way that I learned from founding and growing and selling my business really set me up for this. Like I, I firmly believe that that experience paved the way for this experience and for where I am now. And I am right where I need to be. I love that. You know, the quote, um, what is it? The quote or the mantra? Um, it's not everything is happening to me. Everything is happening for me. I think that's really interesting. And something to just for listeners to keep in mind is even all the shit storms that we go through, the good and the bad, just keep in mind that everything is happening for you to set you up to exactly where you're supposed to be. Without a doubt. I mean, I, I people ask me all the time, whether you're going to ask me or not, I'm going to answer this question. People ask me all the time, do you, re do you regret selling your business? Never. And no. The answer is like a hard, solid no. There's no wavering. Like I knew that was something that I wanted because how my business had been set up was if I would have left before I sold it, I would have gotten nothing and I probably would have had to close down my business, right? Like I was the face of this business. So by selling it, I was able to get something for all of my hard work. I was able to let the business continue and hopefully the brand continues to succeed. They're still working with Target. They're working with Bye Bye Baby. Now they're doing some really great 
awesome programs and they're continuing to serve moms. And I hope that families around the country still get to benefit from Bump Club and Beyond and its mission really and truly, you know, but it set me up to be able to do what I want to do now. And so I don't regret it. And we would have gone out of business during the pandemic had I not been bought. I mean, I, I, you know, we were able to function during the pandemic, you know, in a way that we were, we were, we were making more money from a profit margin standpoint because we weren't hosting events, but like we were part of a big company and that really helped. And all of my competitors went out of business. That I think that's a great insight too. Again, everything's happening for you. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Keeping an eye on time. Um, my last question for you, my dear is what is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? Honestly, I did not set out to do this. Okay. Like this was not like, I wasn't like, oh, in, in college or in, you know, when people are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to say a veterinarian. Like I'm terrible at science. <laughs> like that never would have happened. You know, I think I wrote a speech about it once in fifth grade, but like, I never was like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. My dad had his own business. And of course I watched that. It was a totally different business, but it, this is not something that I set out to do. Um, even when I was starting it. And yet I built a life that worked for me because of what entrepreneurship provided to me and my family. I mean, I loved my job before I left my, my, I worked at Hearst. I worked at Good Housekeeping for 10 years. I loved it. And I loved working there, but I was going to have to continue traveling, not on my terms. I was going to have to continue going into an office every day, not being around for my child. I wanted to be around. And so entrepreneurship has given me the flexibility to ultimately live the life that I want to live at home. And has it been hard? Hell yes, it has been hard. You know, you work 10 times, 20 times more than you yeah. would if you, if you worked a nine to five. You know that. You, you never stop thinking you never about stop. it. That's one but, of my favorite things when people are like, oh, you should just turn it off. It's like, ha. Yeah, it doesn't no. turn off because it's no. running in your brain yeah. constantly, you know. But at the end of the day, it's allowed me a lot of flexibility. It's allowed me to watch my kids grow up. It's allowed me to take my kids on amazing trips because they come with me on business trips. There are so many positives to, for me in my life. And ultimately, I think entrepreneurship has given me the life that I wanted. You know, that's my insight. Like, and, and, it, and a life that I'm in control of. And I can say no to things. And when I learned how to say no, that's really too when things started turning around. Like that was like before, like probably a few years in, I started saying no. And I was like, oh, that's really powerful. <laughs> to be able to like it's tell so people no and like know, in control yeah. of my schedule, you know? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, good for you. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I so appreciate it. Lindsay, if anyone's interested in getting in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? You can go to lindsaypinchuk.com where all of my contact information is, or you can follow me on Instagram at lindsaypinchuk. And if you're around on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I drop Dear Found Her anywhere you listen to podcasts amazing. Um, and for all listeners, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to write a review and Lindsay, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today and sharing your story. As always, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to continue the conversation on Dear Founder. Yes. Looking forward to it. Thank you. To continue learning how to better build your business, and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com. 